Welcome to the Public Health Reform Podcast, a place for people to discuss tackling public health challenges, reducing inequalities, and creating a Scotland where everybody thrives. You're listening to the latest Public Health Reform Scotland podcast with Campbell Hart. In this edition, we're looking at the role of inclusive growth in public health, a relationship that might not be the first thing that springs to mind. But inclusive and sustainable growth is central to the fifth shared public health priority, a Scotland where we have a sustainable, inclusive economy with equality of outcomes for all. This comes as the Scottish Government promotes well-being as an alternative indicator for national performance over GDP. The approach looks to strike a new balance between quality of life and the needs of business. I caught up with Dr Catherine Trebek from the Wellbeing Economy Alliance and asked for her thoughts on the current direction of traffic. So inclusive growth, I think, is putting a little bit more of an expectation around the growth agenda, this idea that if we get the economy to grow big in GDP terms, which is how growth is traditionally measured, we have to make that inclusive, ensure that we're not just hoping little crumbs will trickle down, but actually that the vast majority of the population benefits from that growth. I think it's a useful shift of the conversation. I don't think it's good enough. I think it's a great entry point to a much bolder and more ambitious discussion about what the economy is about that really focuses squarely, and when I say squarely, I mean really first and foremost on what the economy should be doing, and that should be delivering human and ecological well-being. As an organisation, I know you're very much behind the idea of the the well-being economy. Do you feel that uh, communities are as involved as they should be at the moment in making those kind of decisions? In terms of communities' autonomy and their sense of participation and even agenda setting around what the economy is about, I think we've seen for decades that communities have been really at the sort of at the, the beck and call of a greater, wider, abstract, remote economic development agenda. They've been hoping that big economic actors will come to their localities and they might be lucky if they get some jobs, often not very good jobs, often very insecure jobs, low-paying jobs. What we need to do is really shift that around so that you have communities saying, here's the sort of economy we want, we're going to build it from the bottom up, and that means local ownership, it means local procurement, it means local employment, and it also means small scale, not relying on just you know the big players to come in and dribble around some of their fairy dust. It means putting local communities at the forefront of saying this is a sort of economic activity that will serve us best. How big a challenge do you think that organisations that are already there would probably argue that they're doing some of the things that you're advocating? How big a change do you think that it is culturally for, for those people to actually get the kind of change that you want to see? I think it depends on where we're talking about. I think there are really good pockets of practice where we're seeing agencies almost walking forward, linking arms with local communities. I think in other localities, we hear of a very, almost a disinterest or reluctance or recalcitrance to to engage with communities. We hear stories of communities saying, this is our vision, and it being, you know, knocked back, carte blanche. And so it really depends on who you are. And often, I think, whether we're going to get good practice is whether employees of those agencies uh, understand the community, whether they've got good relationships with the community, but also whether they're incentivized and whether their own internal cultures embrace this idea that if we're going to have a chance about transforming the economy, it has to be communities 
not just at the table, but determining the agenda of what that economic model looks like. And there does seem to be positive progress towards this at the moment. Are you confident that there is a momentum building behind this just now? So I think there's a good conversation opening up in Scotland. We've got this idea of the wellbeing economy on the front pages, literally on the lips, you know, the tongues of politicians, on the intros of policymakers now. This idea that the economy should be about collective wellbeing for people and planet is being talked about and there's a real buzz about that I think because folk have felt for too long the economy has been misaligned with what people and planet really need so there's an excitement and an energy around that I think the next stage in that and this is the much harder piece is to say okay how do we go about making that real delivering it how do we shift how we do policy making how do we shift how we do economic development how do we shift how we do procurement I have this dream that we have procurement officers as the heroes of the well-being economy. These are not so not so dramatic shifts. They're not rocket science, they're not complex, but it actually changes how people think about what their roles are about, what their objectives are, and ultimately who they're working for. Some big ideas and a significant challenge from Catherine Trebek. Indeed, the discussion around inclusive growth comes at a time of major public health reform with organisations across the country being encouraged to review the way they deliver services to help challenge health issues and reduce inequalities. Dr Rachel McAdams is from the Public Health Reform Team. We've already seen evidence of positive action to deliver inclusive growth across Scotland, but there's still much more that needs to be done. Our whole systems approach is really designed to support partnerships to deepen their collective understanding of the issues that matter most to communities and to strengthen the delivery of those collective actions needed to address these. Importantly, it puts learning at the heart of how we work together. We developed a set of nine characteristics for this way of working to support those who are interested in adopting a whole system approach and these are intended as a tool to support discussion and reflection across a broad range of partners who we need to work together to deliver the public health priorities in Scotland. And the specific area of inclusive growth is already on the agenda for communities benefiting from local, city and regional growth deals supported by the UK and Scottish governments. These give local areas additional resources to help support economic growth with a positive local impact. Katrina McCauley is the Deputy Chair of SLADE, the Scottish Local Authority's Economic Development Group. There is a growing awareness and understanding of the challenges around inclusive growth, that it is a whole systems approach that's needed. It's a complex issue um, and certainly through SLADE we understand that all parts of government at a local level and a national level need to be involved in addressing some of the challenges that we face. So it is about health, it is about transport, it is about education and skills and it's about our local economies and that's why the whole systems approach is central to tackling inclusive growth. Different areas across the country are going to have their own issues to deal with. I yes. suppose it's to have that flexibility to be able to, to respond as you need to. Absolutely. It's about an evidence-based approach, looking at what the evidence is telling you, what's not working in your area, why is it not working, and what and where can you bring an intervention to tackle that. And it's not just about what you can do as an economic development service. It's about that whole systems approach and bringing other people with you to help. It's a partnership approach. This renewed focus and partnership comes at a time of democratic change. Councils will be required to allocate at least 1% of their budgets to participatory budgeting by the end of 2021. PBs designed to give people a direct say on how resources are used in their communities. 
Dr Oliver Escobar is a lecturer in public policy at the University of Edinburgh. He thinks PB is well placed to help mould the future response to inclusive growth. On a public health dimension, we shouldn't forget that participatory budgeting made its name all over the world precisely because of its effectiveness to tackle health inequalities in some of the poorest cities in Brazil. Uh, not that it solved all the problems there, but it certainly did more inroads than other public health initiatives. We're talking about inclusive growth broadly, and as part of that, sort of the role of, of PB and community engagement. How, what do you think needs to be done to actually make sure that that happens? I think there is a role for participatory budgeting to be contributing to this agenda around inclusive growth uh, because one of the big challenges over the last few years is that there has been a public ambition to democratize a lot of the areas of our life, communities, how local authorities work, how our democracy works more broadly, how, how we create processes that are more inclusive and so on. And the area that hasn't really been brought into this conversation around creating a more ambitious democratic uh, society is the economy. So for me, talking about inclusive growth is an opportunity to um, think about how we democratize the economy. How do we think about some of the creative models that are already out there, cooperatives, social enterprise, the social economy, and, and how do we bring that into the mainstream? And so the shift to putting well-being at the heart of our economy is already underway. Working together to a common aim, the ambitions to empower communities and deliver inclusive and sustainable growth. If you're interested in finding out more about public health reform in Scotland, check out our website, publichealthreform.scot, or you can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Mm-hmm.